podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Betty, you're looking good, uh, and we are feeling good because straight off the bat, breaking news. And no, 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 I'm not talking about Aaron Rodgers, although by the time you're listening to this, that surely is going to be a done deal, right? But um, we'll get into that in a minute. I'm talking about the NC show, back-to-back nominations in the Sports Podcast Awards as Best NFL Show. How do you like that, Matt? It's It's huge. huge. It's absolutely huge. And... The thing is, is that not only is it, not only do you have so many great guests, even me, on the show. Particularly you, Benny, particularly. <laughs> but it's, I think it's the community that we've got around the show. Like the Good great time. questions we get, all the all the amazing feedback. Everyone, everyone we talk to loves the show and have got so many good things to say and you have ideas and questions. So we've got to thank, we've got to thank the listeners. We've got to thank everyone who's part of that community because if... If we can win this, you've won it as well. Big you know, time. That's, that's, Big that's time. all of you have been a part of this. It's, it, the idea of like a UK podcast winning this would be absolutely massive. So go and vote because in effect, you're voting for yourselves. Yeah, oh, smart. I see what you did there. You spun that from altruism, bringing everybody together and and sincerely so, but also then wield it to the, wield it to the vote. Genius, oh, yeah. genius, Betty. That's why he's the brains of the operation gang. <laughs> you can vote for us. So... Uh, I'm not altogether clear. I, I don't know if it's like pro bowl vote, pro bowl, <laughs> easy for me to say, pro bowl voting, where you get, it, it counts, but it doesn't count. Or I don't know, but it, but I'm, I don't care anyway. I want you guys out in force to get behind us, not for a couple of reasons. Firstly, so shout out to Jay Bell and OC. Mm, They've been nominated as well. They're flying. We are flying the flag. Hannah Wilkes as well. Shout out to Hannah. Friends of the show and all uh, their respective pods have have been nominated. We're the three Brits up against up against some some pretty big guns stateside, right? So Libertad, which apparently is the number one pod sports pod in the USA, so they've presumably already won the fan vote. <laughs> you, you would think so. You would think so. Maybe we're that kind of hard. Co- I know you are gang out there. You are that hard collar, hard collar, hardcore blue collar. <laughs> fan base that will just go up, pound the pavements, pound the digital pavements for us. That's, I feel that they, yes, Libertad nice. and Stugots might have volume, but we've got commitment and passion. And their, their listeners might take it for granted. Right. Whereas ours, ours won't. Ours, like, you know, if they're, if they're a team full of all pros mm. and we're a team of like scrappy undrafted free agents, they are oh, yeah. grinding every day. will not take any of it for granted. Not assume that, oh, that place in the roster is set. No, no, no. Going to work hard for every day. You've seen it on Hard Knocks. You've seen those guys. Yeah. yeah. That's that's what we've got to be like. That's what the listeners have got to be like. Just keep bringing it. I love that point. Uh, so that we're up against them. Up against Richard Sherman as well. Oh, <laughs> Sherman. I mean, literal wow, literal all pros. Literal actual pro. Love that. So listen, we uh, if you head to sportspodcastgroup.com, sportspodcastgroup.com, you've got to register. You could vote. Give us a vote. We'll put the link in the show notes as well. And I'm sure that Andy and the crew over on social media will be spamming the shit out of you on social media over the course of the next. I hope the vote goes on for months and it just we just (laughs) have to keep hammering this. But look, really, really proud of everybody involved with making this show. And as Benny said, it's not just a collaboration and an ensemble piece as far as we're concerned 
making the show. It has always been about us all in this together. And we love each and every one of you and the support you give us, whether you listen to quote the great Matthew Barry, an old school reference here for your 06010 fans, download, but never listen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You get in touch with us regularly on social media. You send loads of questions in. You don't, but you like and you listen, whatever, however you engage with the show. We massively appreciate that. We couldn't do that without you. And we will keep on rolling. So, uh, Go grab yourself a glass of fizzy pop, whatever your variety, and and celebrate the nomination with us. We are going to make sure uh, that we practice our best, as the Oscars have just happened, of course, the best. Oh, well done, Richard Sherman. (laughs) Well done, Richard Sherman. Well done, Stugatz and Lebedan. But inside, we're burning. We're going to practice that face over the next couple of months because uh, we are long shots, but we are thrilled to be in the mix. Right. Free agency in full swing. We're going to update you on that. Deals happening left, right, and center all the time. Recording this Wednesday morning. I'm sure by the time you're listening, a bunch of other stuff will happen, but we'll get you up to speed on everything we know so far and a few things that we're going to speculate on too. We're going to look at the draft. We're going to have a lot of draft chat coming your way over the coming weeks, of course, with Ben, College Day's head honcho, our resident college expert. Today, we're going to look at quarterbacks, particularly Ben's top five. We'll start with the basics, the fundamentals, and Ben's top five, interesting, his power rankings differing from quite a lot of other experts that I've seen. We've got some listener questions as well. So we've got a ton to get into. Let's lead off with Aaron Rodgers. Surely a lock for the Jets now, right? I mean, this is a, this is, <laughs> this is, but he's having so much fun with it, which is so Rodgers. Latest story that broke, of course, in the last 24 hours or so is Rodgers' wish list. This is a list that he presumably, you know how rock stars have riders. Mm, exactly. I reckon this is part of Rogers's rider. So I don't think it was solely, I want Alan Lazard. I want Randall Cobb. I want Mercedes Lewis all on his wish. This incidentally, as is Odell Beckham. Uh, all of these players he wants apparently to the Jets to sign. And they've already, uh, they've already taken Lazard as well. So that the biggest clue yet to the Rogers deal being a fait accompli. But Benny, I think independently of, of that player wish list, I think he had a lot of other stuff on that. Uh, does he have his own dark chamber within the Jets facility <laughs> that he ins- insists yeah. upon that he can think, pop in for 20 minutes? I think the, the Jets organization has felt like a dark chamber. Um, <laughs> that's how the fans have, that's how the fans I think have felt. Do you know, it reminded me of, um, is it in Wayne's world where there's a mm-hmm. reference to like Ozzy Osbourne won't go on stage unless he's got 1000 brown M&Ms in a brandy glass. Just <laughs> sure. it's, it almost feels like a, like a power play. The, the you know the great is, one on that is uh, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before because it's one of my favorites is the Marilyn Manson. Uh, can we talk about Manson now? I'm not sure if we, if we can or not, but Marilyn Manson uh, had on his rider uh, infamously uh, cat litter. So he wanted a cat litter, a, a cat litter tray with filled with cat litter. So is he taking the piss? <laughs> I mean, actually, I don't think we want to go anywhere near that. But no, yeah. perhaps not. Imagine- but just to put that information out there, that there's precedent. Like, it, yeah. So the the funniest thing that I read on this, and obviously this stings me as a Bears fan, but you know, uh, was that Aaron Rodgers has got three jobs right now. Mm. He's the Packers quarterback. He's the Jets general manager, and he's the Bears owner. <laughs> wow! Wow! Um, it like. It's you've got to have it. You've got to have an incredible ego. We've we've talked about Aaron Rodgers' ego um, in the past, but this might be this might be the the greatest display of it. 
basically giving giving a wish list of I'd quite like you to sign these players, and when clearly he is not going to agree terms with them until until that is done to his satisfaction, which is unreal, especially because he's blamed the Packers' lack of success in recent years on a lack of good pass catchers. His you know his attitude is well, look, I'm doing my job. I need better people out there catching the ball. And now he looks like he's moving to a new team. He just wants to take the players with him. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is a, I've always been in Rogers' corner on this, which, you know, going back particularly to the Jordan Love move, which taking out all the obvious theoretical logic of why the Packers would be looking to the future and why it's okay for a team to do that. I get it. I get why that pissed him off. I get why... 100%. This is a genius. He's saying, yeah, all of these players that I've been visibly demonstrating, uh, remonstrating against, kicking off with on prime time for the last couple of years. Yeah, those, those are the guys that I want. Oh, and I've yeah. got Beckham, who's still, yeah. banged, who's still banged up. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't win without these guys who I said I couldn't win with. And also I can't win with the guy who can't stay healthy and didn't play last year. Is he take- That's is he, what I need. Is this some deep, deep, dive that Rogers has gone properly meta <laughs> in the, in the... I, I, I would not anyone else anyone else I'd rule it out with him I wouldn't rule it out there is nothing mm. I'm ruling out now my assumption is is that he is going to sign with the Jets and my mm. assumption is is that because he wants to control the narrative he will announce it on the Pat McAfee show that's that's yeah, I think the yeah, yeah. safest the safest bet mm. but if he goes on there and just talks about dark chambers and ayahuasca and all all this stuff, and doesn't even mention playing football next season. Would anyone be like, "Well, I'm stunned. I really thought he was going to clear it all up." Okay, let's assume it happens. What is your gut feel with all of this? And look, playing, understanding the Rogers perspective, even if it is curious that this wish list is the players that he doesn't seem altogether i mean lazard i guess he he's got he had a good relationship with so you know maybe we're maybe we're emphasizing that randall cobb is 55 years old but they yeah. go way back yeah. you know so, so maybe we're overstating that a little bit but okay let's put all that to one side and say fair play rogers knows the jets are desperate for him he is one of the all-time great players He's a bit of a maverick anyway. Fine. No worries. This will all calm down. He'll get in there. Salah's clearly a heavyweight coach to coordinate things. He's got a relationship with Hackett. The Jets are a promising collective anyway. How big a boost, an upgrade is this for the Jets? It obviously is significant, but does this make them Super Bowl contenders? Do you know what? I think it does. I think it makes them contenders to win the AFC East, which is an outstanding division. Mm. They're contenders to win the AFC East. And if you win that AFC East, I think you are then good enough to win a Super Bowl. Now, the AFC is a bloodbath. You know, like the the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Jets in this situation, um, the Bills, all of those teams, if they were in the NFC, would be the clear favourite, as far as I'm concerned, to reach the Super Bowl. So the AFC is Stacked. Well, That's the thing we've got to throw the, the Dolphins in there as well, right? Uh, they've got to be in the comp with the Jalen Ramsey deal, of course. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would put them one, I would put them one tier down in mm -hmm. this, but not in the terms of they're not Super Bowl contenders. But if the if the Dolphins were in the NFC, for example, I'm not hundred percent sure they would be the Super Bowl favorites in that conference. They would be right up there. 
I'm with I you. They're like they're like the Dak point. Prescott to Joe Burrow, right? He's in that oh. second tier and like can still absolutely yeah. see him winning a Super Bowl, but he's yeah. not not top tier. Okay. Yeah. Now so, my, my worry though with the Jets is that yes, this could put them over the top. Yes, it could, right? But obviously we know Rogers, because of his age and because of his general outlook, he's not thinking long term, right? There is he's not thinking how what does this mean for us five years down the road? In five years, in five years down the road, he's going to be in some sort of cave in California doing what <laughs> doing what he wants, right? Whereas that might royally screw the Jets long term, right? They are putting all their chips in the middle of the table. They've got they've got a they're building a young squad with they've managed the salary cap nicely. This will change things massively. They take it. They will have to take on a huge, huge salary cap hit. Unless they can renegotiate with with Rogers, which I don't think is going to be the case. At some point, and I've talked about this before, the way that his salary cap has been structured, it has been a case of constantly kicking the can down the road. Mm. And at what at some point, there's no way of then just writing it off. The salary cap doesn't work like that. At some point, it has to be paid. And you just keep deferring, keep deferring, keep deferring, but it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Someone has to pick up the tab. Now, they might work out some deal with the Packers because the Packers... The Packers, basically the best case scenario, if you're a Packers fan and you love Aaron Rodgers, you've got to decide, do I love the Packers more or do I love Rodgers more? If you love the Packers more, you need Rodgers to go. You absolutely need him to go. And really you need him to be traded because you need some of that salary cap hit to be taken away because he is killing the team with that salary cap Mm. hit. They are going to be so bare bones and even if Jordan Love turns out to be a fantastic quarterback, they can't afford to put anyone around him. They've got a hit on every draft pick. So the Jets are kind of mortgaging their future a little bit like the Rams did, but perhaps even more so. And the thing is that if it doesn't work out for the Jets, it's perhaps a little bit more tragic because A, they didn't win anything, and B, they actually had the nucleus of a really good young team and then kind of stymied that by putting a load of very, very overpaid players in their late 30s on the team. Like if Zach Wilson had worked out, and I never thought he would, if Zach Wilson had worked out, the Jets would be looking at having like a 10-year run ahead of them of being in Super Bowl contention because of the other players they've drafted. This is the total opposite approach. I'm If I was a Jets fan, I'd be very, very excited and very, very, very nervous. Is there a danger just looking... Uh, a few different possible outcomes. And we talked on last week's show about Rogers's numbers last season. And it's easy to get carried away with that because clearly it was an abject season for him, for the Packers and lots of reasons why. But is there a danger that this is a Russell Wilson Mark II kind of deal that Rogers clearly a better quarterback than Russell Wilson with respect to Russell Wilson. But, you know, if we have to create a pecking order, I think everyone out there would, would agree with that, but that doesn't make him. um, Doesn't make him a player that I think there's, there's, I was just thinking about this, obviously with the Brady precedent, that there is a sense that the greatest of the greats, rarely fall off a cliff either they get out quickly enough they kind of retire at the top or even if they regress a bit it's not horrendous in the same way that a lot of russell wilson's last season was horrendous now russell wilson might well bounce back and it might have been an anomaly and all kinds of reasons for that um yeah i mentioned nathaniel hackett <laughs> yeah. being front and center there but 
you know, the ground game going down early and all kinds of different reasons. And actually, right situation now, Russell Wilson could could have a bounce back season. I actually think he, he will, relatively speaking. But I guess what I'm getting at is we think that Rodgers is invincible. That is, he is not susceptible to a crash and burn situation. Is there a danger that Rodgers is regressing and that we are not going to see anywhere near to primetime Rodgers in New York? I think he is absolutely regressing. Um, that's that's that age catching up with you to a certain extent. He won't be the player that he was even, say, five years ago. Right. I think those who are the ultra, ultra elite, and I'm talking about Rodgers, I'm talking about Brady, I'm talking about, even if you want to go further, I mean, we can, we can go Peyton Manning, we Peyton. can go further back and we can say, we can say Joe Montana and we can say Dan Marino. Yeah. None of those players fell off a cliff. Played for a while and didn't fall off a cliff. Peyton was probably closest, wasn't he? In Denver, Peyton was probably close, but he's such a smart player that he was still an effective. Yeah, I mean, you still remember though that in one of his last seasons, he you know he set the record for like most touchdown passes in a season and things yeah. like that. He like it's obviously circumstances in the players around you will affect that, but I don't. I know. I basically. I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff. I do think he's regressed. He's not the, he's not, he's nowhere near peak Rogers, but you don't need peak Rogers to win. If you've got a really good defense, which the Jets have smart coaches, which they have and good young talent around him, which they have, they need him to be really good. Aaron Rogers, which I think he can be. They need a significant upgrade over Zach Wilson, which he will be now. I know that, I'll be honest, I think if they had got Jimmy Garoppolo or if they'd got Carr, I think they would be looking at, all right, we can we can certainly win the AFC East. You know, it didn't have to be Aaron Rodgers or Bust. I think they wanted someone who they, they felt like, here's a clear first ballot Hall of Famer, a perennial all-pro. He's the guy. And I get why they thought that. But personally, I think they needed, they just needed a, a big upgrade yeah, on Zach Wilson, and those players were out there without having to destroy the salary cap. Well, speaking of Jimmy G, heading to Vegas, the deal, as reported by what an AP source originally dropped in, sixty-seven point five million dollars, three years, thirty-four of that to half of it guaranteed. That's kind of what we figured Jimmy G was going to land. We kind of figured with Carr heading off. That was the sensible landing spot. He's reunited with McDaniels, as incidentally is Jacoby Myers, who's also gone to Vegas on a three-year deal, 33 mm-hmm. million. Good business all round. McDaniels knows Myers from Foxborough, arming Jimmy G. Like stuff, like what is shaping up here in, in Vegas. Darren Waller, on the other hand, going uh, out of town. He is, of course, heading to the Giants. A friend of the show, Greg Rosenthal, pointed out in his NFL.com column. McDaniel said just two weeks ago, Waller will be a big part of what we're doing going forward. <laughs> yeah. Now, Maybe not. on the on the Waller thing, before we get to Jimmy Garoppolo, the Waller yeah. thing is is weird because he'd said that, but also Waller and his wife clearly do not like him. And Wait a minute, is, like who? McDaniels. Yeah. Right. And okay. that so that's in part because they were trying to have a secret wedding. Alexander told people at the combine when the wedding was. 
and this <laughs> went down very very poorly um with wallow and his wife um who's a basketball player in las vegas so this isn't great for them that um he's now yeah. working on the other side of the country um also in that nflpa survey recently of like how how happy players were in certain places no t- but I, the raiders i believe came 32nd out of 32 in how they how the players feel about their coaches and the communication from their coaches wow so i think and the thing is is that i would have thought that garoppolo was probably looking at that situation like okay darren waller he's had his issues over the last couple of years but he's a reliable pass catcher and i need those people to succeed he was surrounded by them in san francisco so to have him leave for like what was it seventh round pick something crazy is great business for the giants and is a bad sign for the Raiders. Yeah, but, it's the hundredth hundredth Jim- over, overall pick, uh, that, and I, I think it is great business for the Giants. Who Waller's thirty, so still got gas in the tank. Absolutely, clearly, any idiot can see the Giants' number one requirement is to add some talent around Daniel Jones, and Waller is a, a cl- still clearly, I think, in that top ten category. Even if the season was underwhelming last year. He, I don't think he has has fallen off a cliff. Interestingly, you say mention that about Vegas. I remember, you know, Nate Jackson's book, uh, mm. which slow getting up, it's called, um, which I strongly recommend. And if everyone out there you haven't read it already, Nate Jackson, who was a a receiver in the NFL a decade or so ago, and was at Denver when McDaniel's came in in his first stint as a head coach, of course, where the Tim Tebow era of, of McDaniel's in in Denver, and his um him recanting his first and i think presumably only exchange with with mcdaniels and you can see kind of where where it where it, how it played out was not flattering shall we say now mm-hmm. you give mcdaniels the benefit of the doubt that it was his first gig or probably one of his first decisions but it doesn't bode well when you when you read stories like that about mcdaniels's man management capabilities yeah i, I there are He's had issues with a fair few players and other coaches. Now, from everything I've read, Jimmy Garoppolo has always got on well with him, and that they have an existing relationship. They don't, I, you know, I don't know if they get on like a house on fire, but they they like each other and they like what one another does. So this is a this is a good fit for for Garoppolo. Garoppolo is at a point in his career now where. I feel I actually feel slightly sorry for him. And I'm someone who's criticized him quite a bit early in his earlier in his career because he was, I think, so overrated when he was coming out of Tampa Bay Tampa Bay, when he was coming out of uh when he's coming out of New England and ended up in San Francisco, that there was this idea of, oh, you know, he he should have been Brady's replacement and they could have moved on from Brady and they would have been they would have been great with Garoppolo. He was never he was never that player. And I think he showed the sort of player that he was. He was a very, very good game manager. Mm. You shouldn't lose games because of Jimmy Garoppolo. But on his own, he's not going to win games. We we know all that. And now he's past his peak in terms of age. I don't think he's going to be one of these players who is just constantly winning games up to the age of 40. But I, I could be I could be wrong. I think he's a stopgap for the Raiders. Mm. I think the the deal that they've got him on. Is very team friendly. It works out well for them. And to me, when I saw the deal, I can't, my, my draft sense started tingling. And I thought, 
I think they're going to go for a quarterback. I think they want to draft a quarterback. And I think they want to have someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, who is reliable, intelligent, an amiable guy who has shown that when Trey Lance came in to basically take his job, Jimmy Garoppolo was still helping him. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't have a go off in a huff. He knew that his his days were numbered in San Francisco. Everybody in the 49ers organization still speaks highly of Jimmy Garoppolo, despite the fact they wanted to move on from him. It was never because they thought he was a difficult teammate. He was a good mentor to Trey Lance. It makes me think the Raiders want Jimmy Garoppolo to start next season, have a rookie quarterback sit behind him with the hope that that quarterback can then start in year two. And if not, Jimmy can carry on. So are we talking, they're on the clock for seventh, right? Seventh pick overall. Are we talking about um, them using their first round pick on a quarterback? Seventh overall. Yeah, that's that's what it feels like to me. I've obviously got no inside knowledge, but to me, that was the sign that it sent to me. Mm. They will want to take a swing at a quarterback. Obviously, we're going to get into those quarterbacks later on. But to me, it felt like that's what they wanted to do. That's why they got Jimmy Garoppolo on that sort of deal. It is it is fascinating, isn't it? The the fit makes sense. They'll be competitive, but in the West, with the changes, yeah, what's it like being a Raiders fan right now? How are you feeling? Are you resigned to a we're gonna have a nine and eight, eight and nine kind of season? I guess that would also placate the fan base a bit if one of those top how many I know we're gonna get into it, but how many quarterbacks do you think will go first round five? If it's if it's five, then people have got desperate. I would say four, but I'm not ruling out five. Okay. I the, the person I think is the fifth best quarterback in this draft. I really do not think they should be drafted in the first round. Okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a bit. Other bits of business, like what the Cowboys are doing. Stefan Gilmore heading to Dallas. They've re-signed Donovan Wilson as well. That D is looking serious, Benny. Yeah, the the Cowboys, the Cowboys have made good moves. Um, and I've already seen people saying, oh, I think the Cowboys are the favorites in the NFC East now. Um, as if the Eagles didn't get to the Super Bowl. And like the 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 Eagles have that's just textbook though, isn't it? Does it Dallas is, hype? It is, it is, it is. But like Dallas are just becoming one of those teams where I felt like for a while it was like boom and bust in Dallas, and now they're they seem quite steady. They're making sensible decisions. This will be a really good. This will be a really good team again. Um, much of it is going to fall on what what Dak can do on offense. I'm interested to see what they what they do at running back. But I like what they've done so far, and they are they are showing that they are they intend to be a kind of a sustainable contender, not just right. Let's push all our chips in the middle of the table and see what happens. When you say what they're doing at running back, I mean Pollard's tagged, right? So you mean whether they jettison Zeke? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I really like the idea of having, if you can afford it, two running backs who are who you can just you can just spell one. You know that you will you've always got one who's got plenty in the tank because they're not having to do the whole thing. Um, it's what the Bears did a lot last season and are not doing now with David Montgomery um going to Detroit. The Bears could have kept him. I thought they might, but they want someone with a kind of that longer speed. I really like the Cowboys offense. I like that one-two punch of Pollard and Zeke. And I just wonder if they go away from that, what what that means for their offensive philosophy. 
whether they will use one running back a lot, whether they will lean less on the running back. I'm interested to see. Um, it's a great point you make. I, I couldn't agree more, Benny, because I think the assumption is, well, Zeke's gone because of that deal. But it isn't that position isn't taking into account the impact of the tag team. It's a little bit like I was thinking about it last week because we touched upon it with Chris Milner on the show last week. And I was thinking about it afterwards. It's like the number two receiver is like Juju in Pittsburgh when Antonio Brown went. You know, mm. it's the number two receiver. Everything's working really well when you've got the number one there. Everybody wins. The number well, we're, we've got this number two's great. We he can be our number one. We don't need to pay the the number one goes, the number two goes into that slot, everything changes, everybody loses. So I think there is a yeah. there is a risk there. I'm gonna go to Twitter at the NC show, is how you get in touch with us. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Insta, we're on TikTok. Uh yes, <laughs> yes we are. Rakesh, hey Rakesh. Uh, were the Bears a bit hasty? He asks the Bears, of course, trading their number one pick to the Panthers and they get a haul in return. So they flip the script. So they get the Panthers pick. The Panthers get the number one overall. Four draft picks in, is the package and DJ Moore. Mm. So I... a decent haul for the Bears. But were they a bit hasty, Ask Rakesh? What do you think as a Bears so... hard carrying fan? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question because I think it's the earliest that a first round pick has been traded in forty five years. Right, it's not your deal is not usually done at this point. However, the Bears are in in the situation where they it was known that they did not want to keep the first overall pick, and they had a lot of suitors at the combine to the point where Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears, decided to stay in a different hotel um, to the the rest of the nfl basically um so he moved himself out there but was taking was taking meetings now because the bears wanted to get rid of that pick and also had by far the most salary cap space they wanted to do the deal so that they knew what they were dealing with in free agency so if they didn't get a wide receiver for example then they might be trying to get one in free agency, which is a terrible year for wide receivers in free agency. If if it was a deal with the team picking, say, fourth, they would probably look to trade down again. So there was a lot of demand for that pick and a lot of enthusiasm for the uh, within the Bears to get the deal done quickly so they could start the free agency period knowing exactly where they stood with the draft and exactly where they stood with their roster. And the deal... You know, you can you can always talk about like who's won the deal, um, you know, as soon as it happens. And obviously time will time will tell. But on the surface, the Bears massively won that deal because they really needed a number one wide receiver. DJ Moore is by far now the best receiver on that roster. It's a bad year to be getting a wide receiver in free agency. It's not a good year for wide receivers in the draft. So they were able to do that. They got they got a couple of firsts. They've got a second. Like it was never about getting one impact player. The Bears need bodies. The Bears need as many good players as they can possibly get. So as a as a Bears fan, I was thrilled. As a neutral observer, I think it's a fantastic deal for the Bears. The Panthers, I mean, I, I love I love the aggressiveness of someone saying, right, okay, we are we are trading this haul because we want to get our guy. And there's been this talk of like, oh. They haven't decided who they want. They've decided who they want. You do not go up to one unless you like, there's a guy. There's a guy that we want. I do worry a little bit about who that player is. 
number one, I don't think it's my number one quarterback. And number two, who is he throwing to? All right. I, let's he get, hasn't let's got DJ Moore it. and he hasn't got Christian McCaffrey. Let's get into it. Okay, we'll get into this. This is your top five quarterbacks in the draft in terms of your power ranking. So you're talking here, we'll jump around a bit, right? So you're talking here, I'm assuming, about CJ Stroud. I, th- as in, you think they're going to take CJ Stroud or CJ yeah. Stroud is my favorite. No, no, you think they're going to take CJ Stroud. I do think they're going to take CJ Stroud. Okay, and a, a lot of people have him as number one on their boards. And when you're looking at mock boards, and this is not always a straightforward or a clear point, sometimes you'll see a mock board and that mock board will be based on the experts' rankings versus this is what I think the team's going to do right mm, uh, yeah normally it's the latter but sometimes it isn't always the case either way cj Stroud seems to be number one on most boards like particularly from what i've seen anyway particularly given the fact that you say we all expect carolina that's their guy he's not number one on your board though so why not first of all um number one i'm kind of ignoring the combine to a certain extent the combine is very entertaining piece of television product. You know, they, uh, the NFL have, have certainly turned it into an entertainment spectacle, which is a very NFL thing to do. And I enjoy watching it. I think it's fun. However, the most important thing that happens at the Combine, we don't get to see. As as fans and media, we don't get to see it. And it's it's two things. It's the, it's the private meetings that players and teams have. And it's the medical assessments that they have. That is what the the teams get the most out of. Because if you, let's say you're looking to draft a quarterback, right? You are not basing it on the combine. You are basing it on the hours and hours and hours of film that you've watched. The hours of interviews you've done with the player, with his coaches, with his supporting cast, you do not think, oh, this guy's 40 time was slightly better than I expected. I'm moving him up. That's as 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 fans and media, we do that. For that position <laughs> particularly, I think that's fair to say. I think there are definitely some players that get a combine bump. And probably it's kind <clears> of <throat> mid-rounders or, you know, second rounders that might pre- propel themselves into the first. Or you can get a few players that benefit from the slightly cosmetic nature of uh, yeah. of the combine but I take your point for sure with a quarterback I mean none of that is going to make make any difference yeah. so you're putting that aside with CJ Stroud and you're looking at the game film and you're looking at everything you know about him yeah and he's and let's be clear as well just to just to just to put this in context you're not saying you're off CJ Stroud you have doubts about him you got a number two on you on, on in your power ranking so absolutely I'm not saying absolutely. Benny's of thinks he's not of the races here but He's not your number one. And I was just curious as to why. Yeah. And the thing is, is that you can watch lots of CJ Stroud film and you'll be like, I really like this guy. Um, He's, he's a leader. He's got, um, he's, he's accurate. He's, he puts great velocity on the ball. Uh, He's an intelligent player. He throws the ball where it needs to be, not where the receiver just was. He's, he's got great composure. Um, now he's not massively mobile, um, 
and by today's NFL standards, he's he can look he can look like at times he can look a little bit of a statue, right? Now there was a there was a stat about how he had one in the regular season he had one broken tackle in the entire season, mm. but then they used him kind of differently in the playoff semifinal that they lost to Georgia, which they could have won. Great, he was great, and Ohio State were great against Georgia as good as anyone has looked against Georgia. Um, he he broke about four or five tackles there where they had him moving around much more. So he has got that clearly as a part of his game, but we've only seen it in one game. Mm. He, is not a, he is not a running threat. And no, a quarterback doesn't have to be a running threat, but in today's modern NFL, having that dimension is, is massive. Now, I like him a lot, but I happen to like someone else a little bit more. Let's go. And yeah, we'll go top to bottom. So let's let's go. You got Bryce Young as your number one, the Heisman winner. Yeah. At now, Bammer, of course, he's a winner. He's a winner, Bryce. I bet he, how many times has that been? Yeah. Bryce is a winner, <laughs> but he is like which quarterback most would you compare him? I kind of went a bit Yoda there, didn't I? <laughs> 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 who, would you, who would you compare him to? Is it, I mean, if you had to put. Now you're close to the Mars. Say Bryce Young is like, and it can be past or present. Who's he most like? Um, Drew Brees or Russell Wilson. And it's because of what they can do with their body despite their smaller stature. Mm -hmm. Like Bryce Young, despite being my number one quarterback in this draft, is probably smaller than any, any quarterback drafted in the last couple of decades. And when I say smaller, I'm talking a combination of height and body build. Now, this is partly why the combine can be a farce. It was known that in the run-up to the combine, it was really important for Bryce Young to hit a certain weight. So he didn't look too frail. Now, if you are trying to bulk up, that means you're not able to do too much cardio. You're not gonna be doing too much throwing. You are just going to be bodybuilding and putting on some mass. So that's why he didn't work out at the combine. He did his interviews, he got measured, but he hadn't been preparing to throw the ball or run because he would have been slower in all ways than he normally is because he's put on this weight that I guarantee he is now getting rid of because he will have his Alabama pro day and everyone's going to come and see him throw the ball and he's going to look fantastic. But if they weighed him at that point, they'd be like, oh, he's lost weight. Well, yeah, no shit. Mm. That, the, he wanted it to be. So basically on all the records, it will be his weight was whatever it was. And it's at a, it's at a level that teams will find acceptable. But it's it's a farce because he will never play at that weight. His body is not the right shape for him to play at that weight. So he's going to get back down to what he what he was, which is like a kind of lighter than a Drew Brees and a Russell Wilson with a similar sort of height. And he is going to be, he's going to live or die on his frame. People are going to worry that he's a bit too frail. He's not got the prototypical shape and size that CJ Stroud has, but he is, he is a, he's more athletic. He's more accurate. He's more confident. He's more composed. He's more everything than CJ Stroud. As far as I'm concerned, apart from the body. If you swap the bodies, 
then it would be no question. <laughs> yeah. People there's wouldn't a, even. There's be... a movie right there. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah, I'm going to work on that script tonight. Uh, please do. Um, can you make sure that Scott Bakula is in it as one <laughs> of the coaches? Of maybe, the, maybe, maybe he is the Houston coach because Houston are going to take him too. Do we think? I would think so. I would. My guess is is that I mean, I, there was a lot of talk that Houston might trade up to get the Bears pick. I don't think they could have ever done that. I think it would have been so embarrassing to have missed out on the first overall pick because you just all of a sudden decided in the final <laughs> half of the final game, right. oh, let's start playing like an NFL team now. And then to give up future draft picks because of that, I think they just felt, okay, do you know what? We'll have to see who's available. And I imagine they've talked themselves into CJ Stroud or Bryce Young enough that they feel, okay, we're happy with one of those. We don't want to give up draft collateral. Okay. So... That's what I think. That's what I think we'll get CJ Stroud number one. I think we'll get Bryce Young number two. In my power rankings, they're flipped, but these are both future NFL starters in my eyes. So they are a cut above the next three. Is that fair to say in, in right now? Because the next three, and um, you can go through the order, your order. You've got Anthony Richardson, Florida quarterback, Will Levis, and Hendon Hooker, right? All of whom seem to divide opinion to differing degrees. Let's start with, are we saying it's Young and Stroud and then a bit of a drop or not? Um, In my my view of them, yes, there is a a drop off. In terms of how they go in the draft, I'm not sure there's going to be much of a drop off. I've seen mock drafts where the first four players taken are all quarterbacks. And I I can see that happening because one of these players did so well at the combine and you've got another player who has shown quite a lot in college and that people will start to get desperate. If three quarterbacks go off the boards in the top three, their panic will set in. And this, I love, I love to see that on draft day, that first, that, that opening night of the draft. Yeah. When panic sets in because a couple of quarterbacks go. And then so, because you've got in, India at four, right? So, because Arizona have three, it's unlikely. Although, who the hell knows? It'll change there. Maybe, maybe something crazy will happen. Someone might trade up there. That's, that's what I think could happen. If, 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 if we get one and two quarterbacks, as we would assume, I think what you will start to see is that teams, if they're not already talking to Arizona, they will be talking to them on, on draft night to potentially move up. I don't think the Colts will move up. Okay, so you've got a fair enough. So someone to, to usurp the Colts, basically, to get one of Richardson, Hooker, or Lever. So let's look at... Well, this was interesting I saw for, uh, about... We'll leave this. So Warren Sharp said uh, he's a, a a college analyst, right? Uh, I think specifically, uh, well, uh, he's a college analyst. Anyway. I don't want to misappropriate him. Sharp said that if he's drafted in the first round, which we assume he's going to be, mm. he'll have the lowest career passing production score to be taken in the first round. Yeah. Why is everyone so big on this guy if the numbers don't back it up? Um. Because part of it looks like if you were to just design um, design a quarterback, he's got all those things. Like he's got a cannon for an arm. Um, he is a he's big. He's really tough. He can take a he can take a hit and double out a hit. He's really athletic. He's a real kind of he's a real prototype. He was inconsistent through a lot of interceptions last year. He was better the year before. And there was a a huge amount of hype around him. Now, um, like some others in my top five, he plays in the SEC. 
where the defense is, although things have changed being the SEC, it used to be that there wasn't a lot of offense played. It was all defense. We know that's changed a lot now. I mean, look at what LSU did with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. But it is a it is a hard conference to play in because it is where the elite defensive players gravitate towards. So playing at Kentucky, he's up against some really tough defenses, right? He's faced really good teams. If he was in a different conference, I think you'd have fewer interceptions. The numbers would be better. Maybe I'm making excuses for him, but I'm looking at... I'm looking at him as a as a prospect for the future, not simply, not simply the stats that we've seen this season. Zach Wilson has some pretty good stats coming out of college. That, <laughs> yeah, and that went well. You know, that, okay. The thing is, like, I, I want to just say that like this the stats thing can be misleading in college because people play such different schedules. It's less of an issue in the NFL when you compare. But the teams that say like Kentucky were playing very different to the teams that BYU were playing when Zach Wilson was there. A whole different level. Anthony Richardson, biggest upside out of the five? But yeah, like Anthony, so Anthony Richardson, season before last, Florida fans and college football observers were thinking, I can't wait to see him take over at Florida because he was like backing up Kyle Trask and it was clear that Anthony Richardson had so much more that he could offer. And you'd see him in short periods. And it was like, this guy's amazing. Like this guy is a, is a Heisman contender. If he starts a season, let's see, let's see him. And he played all of last season and he struggled. Like he was one of the most inconsistent and in and infuriating players to watch last season. Now, I completely understand why he's coming into this draft, but my God, he absolutely should have stayed at Florida for another season. He's inexperienced. Now, as anyone who saw him at the Combine will know, like his workout was fantastic. Like I I saw people raving about his vertical jump. I don't care. I don't care. He's not a point guard. He's a quarterback. I don't (laughs) care how high he can jump. Like, is he an amazing athletic specimen? Yes, he is. Was Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, were they amazing athletic specimens? No, not really. I don't think you need that. Now, there's been comparisons with Cam Newton, I think for a couple of reasons. Number one, because the Panthers have got the number one overall pick and people are thinking about Cam Newton, but also Cam Newton was an absolute physical specimen, right? Cam Newton also did not have many games under his belt in college football. The difference is, and they both played in the same conference, they're both playing in the SEC, and arguably Cam Newton playing at a time when it was harder to play quarterback in the SEC. Cam Newton's one full season at Auburn, he won the Heisman Trophy, the team went unbeaten, they won the national championship, and he just seemed to will them to victory. They were a decent team, and he was the absolute star. He just controlled everything, with winning games on his own. Anthony Richardson put in a situation with an okay team around him. The season was a disaster. He played poorly. The team played poorly. They struggled so much, and he struggled so much. There were games where he cost them the game. It was just bad. But, but, he is physically gifted. And he can really throw the ball. 
and he can really run, he's got to work on his accuracy. Like, if someone drafts, there's been talk of like, oh, he could go first or second. If you take someone first or second over Stroud and Bryce Young, you are assuming that guy is starting day one. Anthony Richardson must not start day one. It will be a disaster and will probably impair his opportunities to develop in the future. He cannot start. He cannot start. I, I, Whoever drafts him, I beg you, don't start him because you might destroy him and he could be fun to watch in the future. But he is not a starter right now. Do you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Propo to clip up that last 60 seconds and send it to Anthony Richardson's people so they can use that every game he plays in his rookie season when he starts yeah. and goes to, on to Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's just going to play that. He's going to have that in his earpods. Just Ben <laughs> on a loop. Listen, last one before we get out of Dodge. Hendon Hooker, who's the Tennessee quarterback, he tore his ACL, didn't he? So Yeah. Uh, Hendon why- Hooker... Hendon Hooker was a potential Heisman candidate halfway through the season. Mm. He was absolutely outstanding. Um, he was a lot of fun to watch. He he He's someone who had looked promising before that season and then really took the next step. And Tennessee took the next step. Tennessee, for the first time in many years, looked really good. And he was really good. He'd only shown flashes before. But he became easily one of the best quarterbacks in college football and a top draft prospect. And then he tore his ACL in the penultimate game. Mm. And that's if that hadn't happened, he's a first round pick, probably the third quarterback taken, I think. As it is, I think he'll probably be fifth, might be sixth. He's got a lot of upside if he can recover. Also, he's one of the oldest players in the draft. I want to say he's like about... 24 25 so he's kind of got some you know he's got he's got issues that's there a, that he's that's prop ho age old ah uh, i know i know in, dra- in draft yeah. terms it's old <laughs> yeah. but i i really i really like him and i think he can play in the nfl but it's it's gonna be i think it'd be a mistake to take him in the first round because of the injury i think he could fall i think he'd probably go in the second but he could fall to the third and if you're someone, and I don't, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's the guy that the Raiders would want. But let's say if you're someone like the Raiders, where you've just got your guy in for a couple of years, and you know you're going to need a quarterback of the future, maybe, maybe draft Hendon Hooker and see how it goes, because you know you don't need him in the next couple of years. But if he does get over that injury, fine, and he can do the things he was doing before, he's a, he's a good NFL starter. I actually think I could imagine the Raiders with like the ghost of Al Davis in their ears saying, draft Anthony Richardson, draft Anthony Richardson, take a swing, take a swing on the kid and let's see what happens because he's the one that's got a lot of upside, but also has a very, very low floor. He could be Jamarcus Russell. He could be Cam Newton, but I think, I think the Raiders, it just feels like a Raiders pick to me. I want to do an episode on in this offseason, Benny. We're going to do it. We're going to look up what Jamarcus Russell and Co. What basically draft busts are doing now. I want oh. to get. I want to get into that. I want. To, I'm genuinely fascinated. Not to. Yeah. Not to crow, but I'm. I'm really interested to see. And you know, Jamarcus Russell made a few quid because obviously it was in the crazy 
crazy era of getting 50 before the rookie salary yeah, cap yeah, thing yeah. came in yeah i mean yeah it's it, it's it's it is fascinating because you've got to remember that all these players who were drafted in the first round will have been absolute superstars in high school right probably could get away with anything in high school right and then they step onto their college campus and they're also a star and the whole world seems to revolve around them and it's all like oh you're gonna be an nfl star you're a hero and you know you're getting drafted early and you are and then when it falls apart having to face the real world like even forgetting the financial issue of the fact that you were the hero in high school you were the hero in college and now people look at you like a bum because you didn't make it in the NFL. And very few players make it in the NFL, but all your life you've been built up, built up, built up, and then unwanted. You're a loser. You're a bust. What does that do to you psychologically? It's got to be so tough. Well, I'm going to dig this out. He wrote for the Players' Tribune last year, uh, an article oh, called that's right. You'll Don't Know a Damn Thing About Jamarcus Russell. Uh, and he talks about the bust designation and other things. I'm going to go and read that right now after... <laughs> I voted for us in the Sports Podcast Awards. You could do that, gang, by hitting the link in the show notes or just heading on over to Sports. Uh, what was the URL? I want to make sure we get that right before I send you there to the wrong site. Sportspodcastgroup.com. There you go. Sportspodcastgroup.com. Go vote for us. We appreciate that support. Benny, appreciate your insight, your startings and profilings as ever. Brilliant stuff, bud. Look after yourself. Come check, check back in soon, yeah? I cannot wait. We are officially, I, I can see the draft now. I can see it. We have got the draft coming up in full view. Also, I am Mike on next week's show with his free agency thoughts. And there'll be a lot of deals done and dusted by then as well. So I'm Mike coming your way next week. Lots more pods coming your way over the course of the next few. Keep it locked in. We'll be nominated. Take care, guys. See you soon. Podcast Network.